Welcome to Paychecks Thrive, a business podcast where you'll hear timely insights to help you navigate marketplace dynamics and propel your business forward. Here's your host, Gene Marks. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Paychecks Thrive podcast. My name is Gene Marks. Thank you so much for joining me, whether you're just listening or you are watching us on YouTube. My guest today is Steve Hall. Steve is the National Director, Steve, how to get all this right, okay? National Director, EOCF Initiative, Vice President of Small Business and Economic Development Lending for LISC, which is the Local Initiative Support Corporation. Did I get all those words right and in the right order? Steve. Gene, you nailed it. Okay, fit. Right, that's great. It took years of practice, but we finally get there. Uh, thanks so much for coming on. First of all, where am I talking to you from? Where are you at right now? So today I'm in Chicago, Illinois. So that's that's where I live, but I actually travel all over the country. And um, you, I have to check in every now and then to figure out where I am at any given time. Yeah, so. I believe it. Um, how long have you been with Lisk? Uh, eight years now. No kidding. Jeez, okay. That's yeah. a long time to be anywhere. Um well, that's great. Um, so first of all, you know, we're going to talk about um, the, this grant program that you guys have um, for, you know, for minority businesses. Um, and I think it's in partnership as well with Kevin Hart's, you know, tequila company as well. Before we even get there, let's talk a little bit about LISC and what it does. Um, tell me about, you know, the, the organization supports a lot of different initiatives. Um, so give it all. Sure. Well, you know, I'm excited to be, you know, with you and your audience today to talk about Local Initiative Support Corporation, also known as LIS. We are a 44-year-old community development financial institution, and we are the largest not-for-profit community development financial institution in the country. So we have about $30 billion in assets under management. We primarily do community development lending, which includes everything from housing to commercial to small business. Um, as a part of, you know, that size and scope of our organization, we work with countless government organizations, public and private foundations, um, and we have great opportunities to work with you know, organizations like Kevin Hart's Grand Camino to give out small business grants. So we also offer that as well. So um, is the is the organization based in Chicago where you are or where they headquartered? Our headquarters is in New York. We have 38 offices across the country. Wow. I visit a number of those offices throughout the year to you know make sure some of the program offers and offerings we have are are going over effectively in the communities that we serve. But for the most part, I lead the small business division, so which is you know primarily lending and, and some of the grant programs. Got it. Okay, so before we we dig into the whole you know grant program um, itself, you said you lead the small business you know division. So tell me about your job description. <laughs> Great question. So you know at the Beginning of the day, it is primarily investing in small businesses. So that can be anywhere from a loan from a hundred thousand to ten million. Okay. So I have a whole underwriting team, business development team, much like a commercial bank would have in in a business banking or middle market structure. Um, we work with you know you know accounting partners and partners like Paycheck and other payroll providers to identify leads, and and we're usually doing leads that a bank wouldn't do, right? And those leads could be anything from commercial real estate acquisition to working capital. Um, to you know, tenant improvement or equipment. Got it. So, so you provide mostly lending. So, as if a bank, how are you? Um, you know, how are you funded? Like, for, are you like an SBA lender? You know, or are you? We do have an S. We do have an SBA lending arm, um, and uh, just like most financial institutions, they may have an SBA arm, and they still you know do a lot conventionally on their balance sheet. 
remember I said, you know, we have 30 billion in assets invested under management. So we get a lot of capital from public and private foundations. Um, we've built up a significant net worth over the past 44 years. So, I mean, you know, sometimes we can lend our own assets just to have higher impact. But because of Community Reinvestment Act opportunities, banks find us as a good stable partner. We have a, you know, AA minus S&P rating, which is higher than most bank quality. So we're, we're pretty strong when it comes to um, our financial incentives for people wanting to invest and partner with us. Got it. And um, I'm assuming these, you said you have offices all around the country. So, I mean, you you, you provide these financing opportunities anywhere in the U.S., you know, where, wherever business is located, correct? That is correct, yes. Are you, um, is this a, um, like, I, again, we're going to get to the grant in a minute, which is really focused on BIPOC minority-owned businesses, but are you, do you consider yourself to be um, an institution that lends primarily to minority-owned businesses um, as opposed to, you know, you know non-minority-owned businesses? So I think there's two approaches. So I think our SBA approach is to be inclusive. So we do have an SBA division um, that will, you know, more than likely uh, be spinning off of lists soon. Right. So, you know, I can't share any additional details on that, unfortunately, right now at this particular time. It's okay. But, you know, on balance sheet, we lend to things primarily in low to moderate income census areas. So in low to moderate income census areas are um, businesses of all types, gender, races, or whatever. Um, predominantly, the smaller ones tend to be minority-owned or women-owned. So the and and the people that are getting the loans from you, I'm assuming would would have more challenges getting a loan from a traditional bank. So you can provide that source of capital to yes. them. And when you do yes. that, is um you know is is the selling pitch like um you know again that 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 you've got more of a chance of getting a loan from us because you know we're we're, we're here to, to help you in the community. Do you are your loans um. Uh, competitive from a market, you know, interest rate terms and all of that, or is there any kind of a premium for people to get financing from you? No, that's a great question. So we're not-for-profit mission-based lenders. Right. So unfortunately, um, our rates are at market or sometimes below because we're really trying to go after populations that have little to no access to capital. So prime example, if you're in rural America and you're looking for a partner, um, it takes a long time for a lender to build trust. So we can't have a higher rate or a predatory rate because, you know, you lose trust at that particular time. So, you know, as I mentioned earlier, we work with foundations to really, you know, blend down that rate to give that population an opportunity to say, well, I'll try them. I'm not sure, but let's see if this works for me and my family. And, and we look at small business units as, as families that are, you know, first or second generation looking to, you know, be a going concern, regardless of what market they're in or what their ethnicity or or um, gender, we want to make sure that they have access to capital that's fair. And then over time, we want them to repatriate back to the financial institutions in their community. So whether it's a, you know, small community bank or one of the larger national players, we want to make sure that they're on the right path so they can have success for years to come and not just, you know, totally borrow from us. Okay. That is great. Um, one other question, I, if you don't know this, that's completely fine, but like, so are you like some local areas, do you, are you aware that if your organization is uh, participating in the whole state small business credit initiative, you know, the $10 billion coming from treasury, I mean, I'm assuming you guys are I've got that, your, that's your, part of my job description. So you ask, you know, what is the <laughs> job description? <laughs> right. um, so in, in various um, states across the United States, we are a partner in SSBCI programs. Uh, I'll be honest and give a shout out to California. I don't know if anybody's listening. Uh, I, I always say they have the Cadillac program. New York has a phenomenal program also. 
But uh, a lot of states are creating programs, you know, or rebooting because this is SSBCI 2.0. And they're just realizing that um, the first initiative, people tried to attract tech and they use it as economic development tools, which are great. But that meant a number of businesses in market were being left behind. So I, I think more people are doing the California model, which is very similar to the SBA model with just a lower threshold for success. Uh, and securing that guarantee, and it, it really gets lenders excited. So okay. right now we're expanding probably to two or three other states within the you know coming months, and we hope to do more. And we actually sometimes sit with states and consult over, excuse me, what would be the best path forward for leveraging their SSBCI dollars to make investments. All right, that is great. All right, let's turn to this grant program. So um, this is a grant program. I'm like kind of reading this off. It's with Kevin Hart's Grand Core Amino Tequila um, and Lisk. Um, we've got, you're, you're giving out grants to 50 bike pop businesses. So many questions here. First of all, have you ever met Kevin Hart? That's the most important yes. question. You have met Peter. <laughs> yes. is, he as, is he as small as he seems to be? He's not a very tall guy, correct? He's, he's not a very tall guy. So if you actually go to our annual report on uh, list.org, the CEO and myself are standing there posing with Kevin. Um, <laughs> How tall are six you? Fours. Yeah, so okay. <laughs> <laughs> I got to imagine uh, it's quite a difference. It's quite a difference. So it's, um, but I will tell you, he has the energy of a giant. So he just kind of, you know, came in the room uh, when we met and it was about, let's say about a hundred other people in the room and, and he spoke to everybody in the room and his passion is, his passion is in creating opportunities. So I don't want to say he's just, you know, business or whatever, he even thinks with his comedy, he creates opportunities for well, people to become a better version of themselves and learn something from him. So he actually gave us a pretty good speech. It made wanting to partner with him a little bit more impactful because we got to know the person. But the picture, this picture speaks for itself. It's, it's, kind, of, it's kind of funny you know, seeing us together and, and our CEO, Lisa, and we, we had a good time. But he's, he's been a great partner. We're really thankful. He's not just a brand ambassador. He's a part owner in, a, in this particular line. Right. So he's really putting his all into... Uh, making it impactful. And one of the things with the partnership is, you know, kind of linking it to the grant program is he wanted to inspire other, you know, um, diverse entrepreneurs around the country that you too can, you know, grow a business and, and be successful. And, and guess what? You could say you did it with Kevin Hart. So he's always, you know, he's, he's cracking jokes with the people he's even given grants to because he'll pop up at their business or ask them to come to a reception and and they're sitting there, they're going, is that really Kevin Hart? And he's like, yeah, who else would it be? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that's great. That is great to hear. Um, he, he is a guy I've been wanting to talk to for a while. We, we actually spoke like a year or two ago on this podcast to uh, his trainer. <laughs> so I'm talking to you and now I'm talking to his trainer. So we're, 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 we're you know, kind of bringing that circle closer. You're working your closer. way around. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> so, yeah, he's from Philly and I live in Philly. So I, I got to go and find like if you have any family here. Um, let's talk about the actual grant program. So there's 50 BIPOC businesses. So first, let's you know talk to me like you know I'm a business owner that I'm listening to this right now and like okay I'm kind of I'm I'm interested in getting a grant for my business. Tell me who qualifies for this program and how do I go about getting you know applying? Sure. So if you can imagine with these programs in the past three years, we have. We have dispersed 200 million in small business grants through various programs, not specifically to Kevin Hart's, but uh, another other programs also. Yeah, which is awesome. And the the need for small business assistance has been great, primarily due to the pandemic and 
businesses not having the resources to maintain their staff. And, you know, if you could imagine our SBA arm is doing PPP loans and all the other stuff that mm-hmm. came with that. So we received probably over a million requests a year for, you know, various grant programs. So that just speaks to the need. Um, and the challenge is, is, you know, these programs, the intake is more like a lottery. And then we validate, you know, is the business, is it operating? Is it a legit business? You know, are they, are they doing what they say they do? And, um, you know, that process takes us a couple of weeks because we're, you know, we're pretty efficient with how we, we kind of turn it around. But, you know, ideally we look for people in low to moderate income census track, which kind of, you know, sticks with our mission. Um, we have a preference for people of color, so it's not exclusive. You could you could still be um, a white male and and probably be in a low to moderate income census tract, or be a veteran, or something that have, or be in a rural community where you would actually qualify. Um, but that's how we that's how we go about the process. So it's, it's a lottery. There are weighting factors within the lottery. Those come up with a pool of applicants, and then we just start trying to validate from the you know that top tier who's eligible and. Like I said, with 50, you know, some odd grants and the number of leads we have, we we kind of run through eligibility real fast. How do I improve my chances of being eligible? Um, well, that particular program is closed. So. Oh, okay. Well, there it is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Wait, this is the Kevin Hart, the, the, this whole program with, with his tequila company is closed right now? Well, right now it's, it's, it's closed and it potentially will reopen later on this year. But the various applicants, um, what they would do is they go to list.org, yep. so L-I-S-C.org. They will look for our small business offering, and we will have the available grant programs. National programs always listed on the main page. And then, you know, sometimes we have in-market programs, like we'll have one in Philly, we'll have one in, um, in uh, D.C. Mm-hmm. or... Richmond. So we just, you know, sometimes we have localized programs, but the goal is to identify first when they're open, join the link at, w, uh, at www.lisc.org. And then second, get us the paperwork to prove that you're you're actually a business. So we're asking for like, where are your articles in corporation? Because we can't do grants to individuals. Um, tell us about your banking relationship. Mm-hmm. Do you have financials? You know, where are you located? Do you have a social media presence? You know, all of these things are important, especially for um, businesses in this day of age, just to validate that you're going concern. So, you know, putting aside this specific program, I mean, you, you have a number of grant programs that are, that are running at any given time. Um, and even like outside of the grant programs, you, you still have older programs that are providing the financing as well for businesses like in the form of loans that we talked about a little bit earlier. So I so Steve, give me some give me some advice as a business owner, like the on the, the lowest bar, like you know, just so that how can I formulate this question? I will be disqualified if I do not if I can't show you these things. You know, like when you know when you see business, like mm-hmm. you know, just because you said you get a lot of applications in, and I'm sure there are a plenty of them. You're like, well, we just can't work with these people. We can't work with these people because for various reasons. And you know, I don't want to hear that as an applicant for any of these programs. What what would you expect to see? You named a few things like articles of incorporation, bank accounts. Like I should have a business bank account as well, as opposed to just a personal bank account. What else? Tell me, give me some more things that I should be looking for. Something that's that's powerful, and I, I think people discount 
the value of a you know payroll provider. Okay, it's um, interesting. In my you know in my years of working with uh, in the financial services industry, I've always had a team of people who've been partnered with payroll providers, primarily because payroll providers make sure you have your financials together. So if you if you if you think about it, like this is a paychecks sponsored par- podcast. But when a paychecks rep goes to your office, they're saying you got to have that business bank account. You got to have, um, you know, you may have to segregate your payroll from your operating. You can't dip into your personal. Like they really give you some great technical assistance and stop you from some of the bad behaviors. That even from a grant program, we start to see like, oh, oh wow, this this person has a good financial team that supports them. They have a balance sheet. They have an income statement. They have segregated accounts. Well, that's not accidental, right? That's the either the CPA or finance uh, accounting company that support them, or it's the payroll provider who's who's supporting them. So we can we can catch it right away. And I, I'll be honestly, in the past three years, whether it was through SBA opportunities or even with the grant opportunities, a lot of people pretended they had businesses that didn't. And you know, but the way we were able to kind of mitigate that real fast was like send us this, send us that, and send us a copy of your your bank statement. And they're like, oh, I didn't. Make up a bank statement, yeah, you know? yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, um, yeah. That was the that was a big difference. So yeah, but we see we see the value when people have you know payroll provider partnerships, especially those who are looking for grants. And we do have some big grant programs. You know, we look for audits, we look for um, compiled or um, management prepared financials. We just can't we can't give you a quarter of a million dollar grant for some of our programs, and then. You don't, you don't have any of that information. So some of our programs that start real estate development in certain, you know, um, municipalities sure. or states to, you know, kind of trigger development. But, you know, even to get those grants, you got to have financial resources. So without, you know, balance sheets, income statements, bank accounts, uh, ARA, AP agent, we can't validate it. what you're saying you're doing, you're actually doing. Yeah, people have to remember that, you know, if somebody's going to be financing your company, regardless of the organization, there is... Um, they have to be basically based on financial statements, tax returns. Um, I, I like the fact that you're saying about a payroll company. It's not. It's nothing to do with paycheck sponsoring this podcast. Just, it really does make sense that if you are working for a, if you do have a payroll company, um, they do. They they have to get certain types of documentation from you to make sure they can. They're filing your, you know, your payroll tax returns and that they're getting the payroll out in the right way. And uh, to your employees, there's a lot of regulations involved, and so they are like a first line of. Um, sort of defense, I guess, for somebody like yourself that's looking to lend money out to say, like, if they're if they're working with a payroll company, they're legit. Same thing, having an accountant on board, having external financial statements, obviously tax returns, uh, that stuff is important. Do you, do you ask for budgets very often? I mean, if you're lending money, like a lot of times banks will do, uh, you know, they'll they'll ask you to do like pro forma, you know, you know, debt maintenance. How are you going to pay back this loan? That kind of thing is that you know again because you're lending to very small businesses. I'm assuming a lot of these businesses are not that you know financially astute, so they probably don't have budgets. I have companies that do you know thirty forty million dollars a year still don't have budgets. You know what I mean? So, but is that something you ask for? That is something we ask for. So it, what's interesting? I'm glad you said that. We have um, two major supplier diversity initiatives that we're doing with you know with Abbott and uh, J.P. Morgan Chase. And what's interesting is even some of their top suppliers, you know, because they, you know, are operators of color, they may not have the same financial team, right? So they may have 
Um, they may have compiled statements, but they never asked their CPA to, you know, can you give me a two year pro forma for what I think the business will look like for the next two years? So what's interesting for me is, especially when, um, you know, diverse suppliers now have a greater time than ever to, you know, grow their business and acquire additional assets. That pro forma is so important for us to try to figure out how do we move forward. And even if you're a small, you know, mom and pop shop, I always, I always love a mom and pop shop. They do 300,000 a year revenue and they just say, we're going to always do 300,000. And then that one year, somebody puts a similar business right across the street and they do 180. And I say, well, what happened? Well, we didn't think our sales were going to drop, but yeah, they're right across the street. Like, what did you think? <laughs> so it's, um, you know, and what are you going to do to grow that market share back? So projections really kind of help us, you know, try to, get an understanding of the landscape because all lending is local. I don't want to pretend that, you know, what happens in New York happens in, in Anaheim, California, or in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, you know, those, those nuances, they happen block by block, business by business, owner by owner, and then how attractive is the opportunity to competitors. So we, we bake all that into the cake, whether it's a performer and environmental kind of assessment through a site, um, site visit, especially for our bigger investments. I mean, not the hundred thousands, but it is important for us to, you know, really have a really, you know, keen understanding because a lot of CDFIs do micro lending and we don't do micro lending. We're doing that gap between when that person is ready for the bank or trying to strive to the bank, but not quite there yet, but they're bigger than most what, you know, a micro lender could offer them. Steve, what are the biggest challenges you have with and and you know you supervise people that are all around the country that are trying to lend money out to businesses that would need it and yet you guys must hit your own stumbling blocks um with some of these business owners that you just i guess you're like driving home at night like banging your head against the driving you know i mean the steering wheel saying like why don't these people do this you know what i mean or why are they why are they like that and I'm just kind of curious what your what your biggest challenges are that you've had with some of your customers um, over the years that we can learn with, from. With the customers specifically, I, I think the biggest challenge, most businesses don't know when they have a challenge that's precluding them from financing and precluding them from safe, stable financing, you know, bank financing or bank-like financing. A lot of entrepreneurs, they believe in themselves wholeheartedly. They built the business to whatever level it is, and they think that they can take on predatory debt or, or really, you know, risky capital um, if the bank is not responding. And sometimes it's it's real simple stuff, right? You know, we talked about financials earlier. We talked about a clear strategy. A lot of people, you know, they approach us and they say. I'm buying these three companies. And I'm like, you're buying those three companies to do what? Because I could buy them. I want to buy three companies and like give, give us this this asset. So I think it's the um you know financial and strategic um connection for what they're trying to accomplish. And I always tell people it's always good to run deals by bankers because even if we don't finance the deal, the feedback is priceless. 100%. And, you know, people, sometimes they don't want to hear it. They'll take, you know, mes debt or they'll just take predatory debt. I've seen people buy commercial real estate with a 20% interest rate. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it is something in um, my smartest clients, Steve, over the years, I mean, they, they get, first of all, they, they don't like to get financing. If they can avoid getting financing, they avoid getting it. If they can pay for it themselves, why pay interest? 
Um, and secondly, if they are going to get financing, they, um, you know, they, they make sure there's return on investment for what they're trying to do, which is why I've talked to plenty of bankers. You know, we're in an environment now where interest rates are high um, relative to the way they've been over the past really 20 years. And, um, and, you know, and they say like, OK, you know, that's had an impact on us lending money out. But at the same time, you know, we have customers coming to us because they know even though interest rates are higher, they know that if they borrow this money to get this piece of equipment, they can have that piece of equipment running um, and they're going to make X dollars over it and they'll, they're still going to make money. You know what I mean? And so to them, it's worth it, you know, over the long term. So I guess you have to, you know, it, it is a matter of like, you know, teaching people to do that, which really I, I have two final questions. And I'll let you go. Um, question number one is I just mentioned like teaching. So, you know, you trying to make this sound like you put this in the right way, but you're lending to minority owned businesses, immigrants, you know, people from different parts of the world, people that might not even speak English as their first language. So you must come across a lot of businesses that are, um, that, 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 that need more education. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> and I'm, yeah. and I'm kind of curious, like where that education you think is most needed. Wow. So Gene, you've, you've kind of, you've touched on um, a spot where I'm evolving too as a leader and a manager. So I lead an initiative called the Entrepreneur Color Fund, and we just expanded in our 10th market. Um, we were in Miami, uh, Florida, and it was the first time we did a commercial that was bilingual. And, um, you know, we, we did this launch, I want to say, I guess it was last Monday, Monday before last and literally, like everybody who presented other than myself, you know, they spoke in English and they translated it into Spanish. And, and, and I had to apologize. I said, I'm sorry, I don't, I don't speak Spanish. So I, I just I'm doing mine in English. <laughs> Somebody could if they could help, that would be great. So I think as we as we look at the small business landscape, we have to understand that we're still, you know, we're still the greatest economy in the world. We're the greatest melting pot. I mean, we get the best of the best workers, the best of the best, you know, talent, educational wise, you know, whether they are uh, people of color or people who are from, you know, or Europe or, or, or Russia. It, it, it doesn't matter. But how do we teach them American industry and some of the ropes to skip and ropes to know? Those are the challenges that I see that are great because what... Um, one of the challenges I used to always see this in the Polish community in Chicago, the people you trust um, in an immigrant community is very small, right? And they have to have a positive experience with somebody in your organization, whether through translation, whether through, you know, common experience or values. And it's really hard to reach those populations without those, um, without those skill sets. So I learned, I've learned a lot over the years, you know, you know, bridging the gap between, you know, certain communities in the bank or certain communities that now lists. And the biggest challenge is, is going to be not only understanding the language, but then teaching um, how to do business here and how you don't have to pay somebody, you know, like a lot of small countries, they have brokers for everything, right? So can you imagine telling an immigrant, like, you don't have to pay this other guy? Like, they, they're not part of the institution. Like, we want to have a unique relationship with you. And those are the type of um, technical assistance is what we call it, that we extend to these communities. And I'll be honest with you, Gene, it takes a long time. I mean, we've taken 
these are loans, let's say the bank, they just don't have the time or the resources dedicated to do it because it's just not the mission of the bank. Yeah. Well, it, it's our mission. So we, you know, we take the time. It's taken three years to close simple loans that should have closed in like six weeks. Yeah. But there's this educational opportunity, especially when they're doing development or, um, you know, talking about getting permits and all that stuff. And like I said, there's this big dependence on, especially for immigrants, that somebody else can handle it for me and I should trust them because they help so-and-so. But if they're charging you fifty, sixty, seventy thousand dollars $70,000, you don't need that kind of help. You just need to learn it for yourself. Yeah, it's funny that you say that. I mean, it all starts with language because, you know, you have to communicate in the same language to build that trust. You've got people that imagine they come over, they look at you, you're a nice guy, but you look different, you dress different than them. You know what I mean? Yeah. You, you know, and you're telling them to do different, like put your money in a bank. Whereas some people are like, I don't trust banks because the country I came from, banks were, you know, you know, corrupt, you know, and um, and you know, you do need these permits so that way you have to and then also even like if they're applying for a loan, um, you know, you, you need to you need to give us some of the information so we can make the judgment whether you qualify. And people are very like, you're not, I don't want you to share any information about my business. That's my, you know, my, that's my business. So all there's a challenge. And I just think for anybody who's listening to this that um, is, is trying to grow their business, um, I guess the fact is, uh, you know, I don't want to, you're in America and, and you know, so, in, you know, in this country, there are just, there are just ways of doing things. And it'd be same thing if you're in France or Italy or any other country. But if you're here in America, you've, you've got to be more open. You've, and I do think it is on the business owner themselves um, that they, they have to, learn the language as, as much as they can. And maybe there's some halfway point that they could be met at. Um, before I let you go, uh, we're, we're just, we're, we've been out of time because you've been so great and this is great information, but just very quickly, uh, you know, just your take on the overall economy, Steve, as far as, uh, you know, as far as the financing environment, you know, prime rate now is like eight and a half percent. It's not great. Um, you know, so it, it seems like an opportunity though for you guys, you know, because you can, you, know, you can offer something maybe at below market rates or, or with credit, you know, becoming that much more tight. It, it just seems like LISC is, a, is, a, is an organization that uh, might really be sort of like a, a savior here. You know what I mean? In, in these days, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I, I think when you start talking about the U.S. economy, I mean, we do have, you know, some considerable headwinds and, and you know, 29 billion of our portfolio is in affordable housing. Right. And, um, you know, there's not enough housing in America, but all of a sudden, because of the pandemic, nobody goes into our central business districts anymore. So those assets, fortunately or unfortunately, will become targets for housing. I mean, they, you know, you have to repurpose those buildings if you uh, are a lender who holds, you know, commercial real estate assets that focus on business. You have to think about what the path forward is, not only for this year, but for years to come. So. With that being the case, it will be a really testy market in, you know, the bare bones of the banking industry. Like we we lend on real estate. We're all, you know, kind of focused on real estate and we really want to say there will not be another real estate, you know, kerfuffle, but there's no there's no guarantee that it won't. Right. I mean, I mean, right now I'm working from my home instead of in our downtown office in Chicago. Um, it's just faster to get here. Right. I just walk down the stairs and I'm in my office and I'm, I'm being able to do my job remotely in a number of markets. And, you know, when I actually have to go to markets, I jump on a plane. But it's a it's it's a big headwind. We haven't gotten there yet. 
I think the greatest opportunity for LIS is to continue to invest in the communities that we're investing in because what's happening is if more people are staying in their homes, that means more people want to be located in communities True. that have vibrant assets, um, you know, restaurants, grocery stores, you know, dry cleaners, yep. you know, coffee shops. Everybody has to have four coffee shops in their neighborhood <laughs> now for some reason. But um, And 16 nail salons. Nail salons, <laughs> there you go. So, you know, we are we're investing primarily in those community assets, right? So we we have a unique opportunity there to really help a lot of small businesses who want to be there. I think the challenge where we're not going to be able to save people is we're, we're not going to be able to stand up urban markets. We don't have enough capital to do it. I don't know who's going to do it. Um, I've had an interesting conversation with a business owner worried about his, you know, 15-year lease in a central business district being, you know, invalidated because he doesn't know what the mm. long-term viability of the market is. So there's when there is a downfall, there is an opportunity for others to step in the gap and, you know, create new opportunities. And we hope that LIST will be a partner to create new opportunities in several of our markets. I've been speaking with Stephen Hall. Steve is the a national director and a vice president at the local initiative support corporation, LISC. Uh, that's LISC.org, L-I-S-C.org. Steve, thank you so much for joining me. I want to wish the best success with you and your organization and uh, keep doing great things. Jane, thank you. I really appreciate the opportunity to have me on today. Do you have a topic or a guest that you would like to hear on Thrive? Please let us know. Visit payx.me forward slash Thrive Topics and send us your ideas or matters of interest. Also, if your business is looking to simplify your HR, payroll, benefits, or insurance services, see how Paychex can help. Visit the resource hub at paychex.com forward slash works. That's W-O-R-X. Paychex can help manage those complexities while you focus on all the ways you want your business to thrive. I'm your host, Gene Marks, and thanks for joining us. Till next time, take care. This podcast is property of Paychex Incorporated 2023. All rights reserved.